two headlights. I wake to the sight of them. Odd because of the distinct green tint, not the usual white headlights you see around here. I spot them through the window at the end of the lane. I must have been in a quasi-slumber, an after-dinner daze brought on by a full stomach and the evening heat. I blink several times, attempting to focus. There's no warning, no explanation. I can't hear the car from here. I just open my eyes and see the green lights. It's like they appeared out of nowhere, shaking me from my days. They are brighter than most headlights, glaring from between the two dead trees at the end of the lane. I don't know the precise time, but it's dark. It's late. Too late for a visitor. Not that we get many of them. We don't get visitors. Never have. Not out here. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. We are recording this episode on Sunday, October 15th, 2023. Uh, welcome to episode number 74, uh, where we will be discussing the adaptation Foe, F-O-E. I am your host, Will, and with me to talk things over is the beer-drinking, horned beetle enthusiast and the biological duplicate of Mr. Eric himself. Say hello to the people eat. Hello. Um... Do you think you would notice if I was an AI version of me and we you were doing the podcast with just like AI me for the last 25 episodes? I'm not sure. I don't think I would. If we just, you know, do you think that our podcast is in chat GPT? Like if we asked, I don't, I haven't used oh, chat GPT. So this, this book and story deals with AI. So sorry to jump into that so quickly, but <laughs> you think if we like asked it for a script of Will and Eric talking about, you know, foe, if it could do it. I wonder. I wonder. Because it, it scrapes the internet is the way it works. Yeah. Right? It's like Google, but it does it a little bit in a smarter way, I guess. So it would find us. Yeah, I guess probably. there probably needs to be a transcript of us talking that I could listen to or read, right? I don't... Yeah. Does it, does it listen or does it just read? That's a question. I don't know. Yeah. We I should... Don't, I don't want to find out. I'll, I'll reach out to Sam Altman. I'll get him on the pod. And oh, we'll, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. We'll talk about it. Um. Well, cool. Thank you for uh, listening uh, with us today. We're talking about a book adaptation here, and this is the star of our uh, Oscar bait for twenty twenty three. I don't know if this one—it's not a rocket start, <laughs> but it is—it is the beginning. It is a start. Um, it's like if the uh, the starter gun shot somebody, on you know, in like the marathon, mm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a bad start. It would and be it's a sort bad of start. like this is kind of like that. Yeah, but it's all right. Somebody got shot, but. Uh, some quick fast facts for you. The book um, was written by author Ian Reed, who has also written the novels I Am Thinking of Ending Things and We Spread. Uh, publisher uh, is Simon and Schuster. The published date is August 2018. Um, 224 pages uh, hardcover and a Goodreads rating of 3.73. Uh, the film uh, was, was released, had its premiere at the New York Film Festival in September this year um, and then was released uh, October 6th um, to the wider public. Uh, the director, Garth Davis, who is also known for Lion, which was nominated for Academy Awards a few years ago. And then as well, he directed the film Mary Magdalene. Uh, the screenwriters are Ian Reed, who is the author himself, as well as Garth Davis, the director. Uh, the film stars Saoirse Ronan, Paul Mescal, Aaron Pierre. Uh, so small cast. And then the runtime is 110 minutes. Run Tomato score, 24% and Metacritic, 44 So 
not great. Yeah. So we're going to get into it. Um, Eric, give us a quick recap. Yes, indeed. Foe tells the story of Junior and Henrietta, a married couple living on a remote farm in the near future. One day, a mysterious man named Terrence arrives, and Terrence works for an aerospace corporation called Outermore. Um, and he tells Junior he's been selected to travel to the installation, a large space station that orbits around Earth to test its livability for human life. What follows is the domestic fallout from this visit, as Henrietta and Junior both come to terms with the opportunity and the replacement Junior that the corporation plans to have live with Henrietta while the real Junior is gone. Themes of isolation, identity, and A.I feature prominently. Artificial intelligence. Um, Thank you. Great recap. Let's get into it. Two truths, one lie. You won last game. That's true. Um, Are you ready to go two for two? Let's do it. Are there any questions about Elliot Gould's wives? There might be. Okay. (laughs) Um, Number one, movie rights to the book were acquired before the book was published and released. Um, Number two, Lakeith Stanfield um, was originally cast as Terrence. And number three, Ian Reid, the author... Uh, is an American author who immigrated to Canada after the results of the 2016 presidential election of Donald Trump. Eric, what are we thinking? Hmm. So we have two here that are related to the the movie, and then one just like total total curveball in here. <laughs> Do you like curveballs? I feel like. Can you hit uh, a curveball? The thing is, like, when you were back in your your heyday. Could you hit? Could you mash curveballs? Oh well, yeah. I definitely had like a slider speed bat, you know. Oh like, really? I wasn't hitting like ninety seven, but I could hit like eighty seven. You know? Oh really? Okay. So. I mean, you were first team all state, so that's right. Checks out. You hang it, I'll I'll hit it. <laughs> um, so I feel like in, in these in the past, I've I've looked at the obvious one and talked myself out of it, <laughs> and I always like mess up because of that. So I'm gonna say that I. I know. So we we were talking, trying to get Ian Reid on the podcast, and we're looking up his profiles and stuff. Yeah. And I know he does live in Canada. So I'm wondering if he is just Canadian, and this is just like a <laughs> ruse to make me think that he was American and left in like a very uh, trolly way. So I'm going to say the third one here is a lie. Ian Reid um, did not emigrate to Canada after the results of the 2016 election. You know what? He actually emigrated after the results of the 2020 election. Is there- he. <laughs> He was like, I hate what's (laughs) happening to this country. Um, I think I need to come up with a new strategy here because you are correct and are two for two here. Let's go. We're all all the way back. Yeah, I didn't really know what to come up with. There isn't a lot of information of him online. Um, Yeah, he doesn't have a website, right? He just has like his Simon & Schuster author profile. Yeah, and it's just got like this typical blurb about, you know, who he is and blah, blah, blah and what he's written. Yeah. I've listened to a couple interviews uh, about you know, from him about the book, um, and he talks about the story a bit, but nothing like nothing glaring, no like crazy facts which are interesting or funny. Just like seems like a normal guy, um, and that's not to denigrate him because we still want to have you on the pod, please, please come. But uh, but yeah, you were right. So the movie rights w- to the book were sec- acquired, secured uh, before it was even published because I think people are some people were probably aware of the film. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things, which was directed by Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. five or so years ago, um, which was not super popular, but um, popular enough to be kind of Netflix acquired it. Notable, right? That was a Walking Phoenix movie, too, um, or is this it? the one? No, this was um, this was Jesse Plemons and oh, I forget the act. The uh, Claire was it Claire Foy? Not Claire Foy. Um, 
Maybe I'm getting this confused You're gonna something else. Make me look this up. You go now. ahead. Yeah. And then um so anyway, so that was um a popular book that turned into a relatively popular movie. Um so it makes sense that his this was acquired uh by a movie studio um to make it into a movie, which it did. And then Lakeith Lakeith Stanfield uh was originally cast as Terrence. I thought that was kind of interesting. That would be I feel like he would be really good and almost too good. Yeah. For this. <laughs> like yeah. Terrence we'll get into the you know the Aaron Pierre the actor who played Terrence in this film and his kind of presence on screen and how that kind of changes from the from the from the novel but he would have been that would have been kind of a, a big a three big hitters like Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal and Lakeith Stanfield it might have been too much yeah like too much charisma yeah <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> screen would have melted yeah <laughs> um yeah and then I thought you know he lives in Canada. What would be a good excuse for him to be in Canada? Oh, he immigrated from. I like how you thought that through, but it was a bit. It was a bit a little too out of left field. Yeah, the, the lights were like flashing at me. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Uh. <laughs> you can see the the green lights yeah. from the from the window. Um. Okay. Next one over under. The number is four point five. Eric, you should get this one. The number of Oscar nominations shared between the cast of this film. So, Saoirse Ronan, Aaron, or Paul Mescal, Aaron Pierre. So four and a half. I the the only question I have really is did Paul Miscall get nominated for After Sun last year? I can't remember, and I think he may have, because I think Shersha has been nominated a ton, even though she's like twenty five. So I'm wondering if she has been nominated four times, and Paul. What's really nice about Paul Miscall is that his name's rhyme. Yeah, and that's like the way to remember it. Yeah, I, yeah. I was actually thinking about this last night before I went to bed. I was like, Paul Paul M- what I'm going to remember about this movie is that it's Paul Mescal. Yeah, yeah. And it's so perfect. I think we're pronouncing that correctly. If we're not, then... Paul, come <laughs> on the pod. Everything is, everything is messed <laughs> up. Um, I'm going to say over, and I'm going to say that Shersha herself has four, and Paul Mescal, which you have to say as a full name, yep. has one, and which equals five. Is that your final final answer well i'm looking at your face now and i'm concerned but yes (laughs) you are correct you uh you broke it down beautifully there um yeah paul muscal was nominated last year for after sun i think for best actor yeah and then a movie we talked about on our year end yeah episode here and then um she's got four i'm not sure what movies look at that but yeah you're absolutely correct look at you you are getting better at these i think you're you're pointing out you're like understanding how I'm setting these up. I mean, and you're looking head. for my like, you know, trends. Maybe you're the AI version of yourself now. And I just, I'm comfortable and I know you and I can tell everything. <laughs> this is not good. I need to change. Uh, yeah. Why? I'm a big fan of Shersha Ronan. She was in Lady Bird. She was in mm-hmm. Little Women. Brooklyn. Um, that's right. A very amenable film. Yes. And then uh, she's in, She, I think she has an Oscar nomination when she was really young for... Oh, Lovely Bones, maybe? Something like that. I was just reading. I forgot she was in that. Yeah. That um, or, I don't know. Maybe even like Atonement or something. I don't know if she was in... Oh, maybe. A movie like 10, 10-ish years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. That's two for two. That doesn't happen a lot for me. I think that may be the first time. So I think the podcast is now over. <laughs> we can retire <laughs> we can, it. We can move on. <laughs> retire on top. Congratulations. Um, cool. Uh, we are going to quake, quake. Take a quick break. See, I'm all flustered that, that you've won. I'm not. Ah, used you're to shook. This. Yeah, I'm right. shook. Yeah, this is fun. I think that the screen is like melting here. It's like wow, <laughs> that like the heat of my brain today. Yeah, the microphone is literally melting. Yeah, look well, at this. It's a. Uh, is it climate change or is it just my intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> Who can say? 
we need to move on. Break now. We'll talk more later. Goodbye. <laughs> this episode of the Little Ends Podcast is brought to you by the Society for Sentience Study. At Triple S, we believe one thing. Everything is alive. Everything is real. And everything is human. Our work advances the world's understanding of the feelings and sensations experienced by plants, animals, and now even artificial intelligence. Did you know that broccoli screams when you pull it from the ground? Or that hens cry when you take their eggs? Now that advancements in artificial intelligence have changed life as we know it for so many, we are faced with a moral quandary. Just how real can something artificial be? Just how human are robots? At Triple S, we're exploring the answer to this question. More important now than ever. Because everything is human. Even robots. And we are back. Thank you from that brief word from our sponsor, the Society for Sentient Study. Triple uh, S, pretty good. Do you think animals are humans? Yeah, I would. Okay. Are they sentient? Yeah, well, sent that just you know feeling and sensation, being like being conscious. I don't think it's consciousness. Actually, I think it's like feeling, feeling feelings. Oh, is that Whether what it is? Pain or happiness? I have no idea. Sadness. I think trees are sentient because um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the forests are sort of like the trees can. Sp- <laughs> well, the trees can speak <laughs> to each other. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this. We have officially gone off the rails. Yes. No, have but you that's read true. A, the overstory by Richard Powers. No, but that's like the premise of it, right? Yeah. 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 Does it, do the trees actually talk to each other in that? I think they can. I think they like send some sort of signals. They communicate. They can communicate. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I don't know if that's like proven by science but i have heard that numerous times that's proven by me oh you did it i read it (laughs) i read it and i wrote it down you heard here first folks (laughs) can you so i was thinking about this so like charles darwin Mm -hmm. goes and writes something in his notebooks yeah and like maybe or go like go further back whatever like these people who don't have a lot of other people doing the same work can't really verify so it's like their own observations that we take to be true and then fast forward like 600 years mm-hmm. and we're like, oh yeah, well, Darwin said this and we're, we've taken that to be true. And I guess some people can retest and some, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. some animals can't retest or whatever. But like the amount of information that we take for, this is, this is like a Joe Rogan segment, I guess, but like <laughs> the amount of information that we could just like take for granted because it was, it's been thought true for so long. That's true. That you don't reinterrogate it. It's become like the accepted norm or like the accepted standard yeah that's a, that's like how science works right it's like somebody has a theory they test a theory and then the theory is tested numerous times by other people until it sort of becomes fact right yeah um unless it's taken for granted unless it's taken for granted this Maybe episode to... of the little lens podcast is brought to you by rfk jr for president <laughs> <laughs> dude his his speaking i yeah, forget well, what uh disease he has or yeah that's tough yeah it's tough to be a public official and like you have to all you have to do is do speeches mm-hmm. i mean it, it's gonna be like impossible for him to win but like yeah that's a tough obstacle to overcome i think but you know maybe this is my fault let's get, a, <laughs> get, get us back on track. <laughs> sorry um so <laughs> we're talking about the book uh the book foe written by Ian reed um we're going to do our favorite favorite segment here called Pitch Me Daddy. Um, Eric, I am the studio executive. You are the uh, pitcher. 
and you are looking to acquire capital to make this film. So, Eric, why adapt something like this into cinema? Let me ask you something, uh, director of film for Amazon, Will. Are you married? Do you have a missus? Of course. I have uh, I have wait- a missus and I'm married. You weighed down by the old ball and chain? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Anyone who is married or even been in a long-term relationship should pick up this book in my <clears> hand right now because it's an investigation into identity and more specifically whether or not you lose it when you give your life to someone else. As a married man myself, I ask myself this question a lot. Am I a he or are we a we? Mm. Um, And I kid there a little bit, but I I think there's something very relatable in this book, which is sort of about like a a married couple trying to discover or rediscover who they are in the absence of their spouse. Um, But there's more than that in here too. This is a soft sci-fi book where artificial intelligence plays a meaty role and it's 2023 you said a buzzword ai i'm listening i'm now listening drink yes the (laughs) algorithms love ai uh and yeah i mean it's 2023 ai is is really booming um i think as a topic Mm -hmm. for art media Mm -hmm. um i think people are interested in that and then uh in addition this is a this is a small book you know, mm-hmm. in these COVID times, if you want to create a movie and you don't want a lot of testing, you need to do it quickly. You need to do it safely. Boy, howdy. Do I have a, a small little story for you there? Mm-hmm. Plus, there is uh, the fact that there is a couple at play. There's two yep. people. One's a man, one's a woman. And you know who could play those people? Mr. Amazon Man? Movie stars. <laughs> who, like, who, who are they? Well, whoever you want them to be. Okay. I think that's the point. You Let your imagination roam. I've yeah. got a big budget. Why don't you ask Chat GPT who should play <laughs> who a married couple <laughs> in this uh, sort of dystopian soft sci-fi world that deals with identity? I really like this. There's this new guy in the block called Paul Mescal. He just got nominated. Do you think we can get him? So the the thing I wrote here actually is there's three eyes: isolation, identity, and AI. Ooh. And uh, there's room for hot people. So like, what else do you want? That's fair, right? Yeah. This is this is how movies. Well, are I don't made. make movies with ugly people. Come on. I don't think anybody does. That's, that's the whole point. <laughs> that's the business, but yeah. 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 Um, please break out the, the money clip. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever you need. Yeah. But, but seriously, like I think there is, there's, it's a good relationship drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lord knows we've made a ton of movies like that in the past. Yep. Um, there is the sort of classic, like new third, third party who shows up is mysterious. Mm-hmm. That creates, a level of suspense and questioning in the narrative. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it, I mean, it's, there's a thriller, there's a thriller vibes. Yep. Psych- psychological thrillery vibes. Um, and then there's like the technology aspect. It's not like really overt and not really shown. It's more hinted at. Mm-hmm. So you don't need a big budget. Right. You can put in a spaceship if you like. Yeah. I know you really want to. I would love to. I know you yes. did, but <laughs> you don't need to. Right. Um, so I, I think there's like, there's some, when I was thinking about this, it's, it, it kind of gave me like story of your life vibes mm, where mm. it's, it's like an ideas, it's a story of ideas set against like a futuristic ish mm-hmm. background, but it's really not about the technology. It's really about like the people, a, yeah, the people, the scenario you're building and what it means that how, how they, inter- what it means that they interact the way they interact. Right. 
Yeah. If that makes sense. Definitely. Um, it's funny you mention that because it is kind of, it does have the drama. It has like the existential drama and questions around like, who am I and who, who do I want to be and all these things. And it also has, like you mentioned, the science, science fiction background. Um, it is kind of like the, I wouldn't say the perfect date movie, but it is kind of like, it, it fills a need for both. Hey babe, you want to see how we can be guys in with the, sci- yeah, the sci-fi <laughs> like aspect to it. And like, and the women who may be more interested in some of the more interior stuff. Right. Um, but it doesn't feel like a date movie. It's not like a happy, it's not a rom-com. It's not one of these, or sorry, I should talk, say the book. Um, it, the book is not like a happy go lucky kind of, funny drama no or funny comedy um rom-com type but it does have both of those elements to it um so yeah and i should mention there's a big twist yes you gotta have a twist you gotta have a twist yeah um i feel like the art of the twist has sort of died i feel like there used to be a lot more twists in movies maybe there just been too many twists yeah people have grown tired of of them yeah but this one was good i thought yeah um and we'll talk about it later but so twisties you know there's like an opportunity to to market around twists yeah maybe you should um any parts of the book that you're excited to see adapted i was looking for two different things the first is how large is the adaptation going to be the Mm -hmm. plot is basically right about one guy's opportunity to go off world so i think one of the questions is like how much of that do you want to show? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go off world with him? Do you care? Right. Or I, I think the art, I would argue the heart of this piece is really about the marriage. Um, and because there are so few principal characters here, you could definitely see a more like play, like conversational setup um, that you would, that you could lean into, right? It's two or three characters in a room talking about life or is it, spaceships Mm -hmm. like tech yeah yeah. flying overhead what is it what is there there are like interpersonal issues that we're talking about like marital identity and all that stuff and there's also potentially like world like this earth earth earth-sized yeah issues at play too right and some of those are played against each other some of them are not but how big do you want to go that was that was the first thing i would say Mm mm-hmm um, and then two, we haven't really mentioned this yet, but I guess we did mention this. Good job by me. There's a twist. Um, mm-hmm. And the book handles this twist in a very specific way that the book can, thanks to the way it's written, the way it's perspective. Yeah. So in the absence of that perspective in a movie, how do they handle yeah. the twist? Because you don't have, you don't get such a restrictive point of view in a movie as you can have in a book um and i was wondering how the, the like film narrative could withstand the demands of that twist yeah what about you what were you looking for i definitely agree with the last part the second one you said about the twist how they handle that um and i was interested to see if they would explore the uh more sci-fi aspects of it um because like you mentioned it's not it's it's a periphery it's not a it's a not a main focal point of the book um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then it, it's such a, um, it's a story that's really only in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, and really between three characters. And I was wondering if they would expand on that. Cause I do feel like that's harder to make a 
it's a little bit harder to have a movie like that or not maybe not hard is the wrong word but um it limits you from a film perspective and doesn't allow you to i mean you could explore more if you wanted to essentially is what i'm trying to say so i was wondering if they would do that if they would branch out into the you know outer space or like you mentioned um with some of the sci-fi tech stuff surrounding it um or even just in the general vicinity would they would they go to one of these big cities that they talk about because you know in the story they're um in the middle of nowhere basically uh in in farmland um so wondering if they would explore any of that so um yeah and then obviously wanted to see if you know how the tension was built um with the introduction of terrence uh in the story and Mm -hmm. how that would how that would be different in the movie because a lot of it is from junior's perspective in the book where he's just like kind of more and more slowly getting more and more annoyed and all these things and um because it's more interior in the book how would that translate to um the film but yeah those are some of my my things i was excited to see yeah i know we we've talked about this on and off because we've done some play adaptations um I, i think i read an interview i don't think i read an interview with ian reed where he mentioned women talking as being sort of a inspiration for Mm. this adaptation. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about in that episode, which we did last year, you can go find it in the archives, you know? Yeah. On Spotify. There you go. Um, the role of like the camera and what, what you like the differences you can show on stage versus on film and reasons for doing so like this is very, it's very static. It's, like you're saying one location three three people they do go outside a couple of times mm-hmm. um but in a movie it's way easier to move them around right and so do you want to do that what does it mean that you're not doing that what does it mean for the audience that they're seeing like people talking on a screen right when that's really when that's not typically like what a movie is mm-hmm. you know what i mean right um so i think all those things are interesting and i, I kind of want to go back and we listened to our women talking episode to see what we talked about. That was there. a tough one. I remember that being hard to get through. Yeah. But th- that was way it's a hard read. That, that was hard, a hard read. Watch. There were more characters. So it, you know, in a sense, it's like the, the difference of personality mm. is wider. Yeah. And so there's more room for your like expectations to pass on to what different characters are saying and more mm. like buy-in you can have in different ways. There are more, I guess, ways to slice the onion slice the apple slice the piece pie whatever the opinion i don't know slice the pina whatever the the expression is um and here it's really when you have two characters i guess three yeah what you know terrence is sort of like the guy that's fucking things up and the other two characters are sort of interacting with him Mm -hmm. there's two principal perspectives instead of like five yeah so does that can that get old right does that get stale yeah um how much room for i guess with each character you can go a bit deeper and they can grow a bit more clearly which i think happens here and happens in the book too Mm -hmm. so it's definitely with just the three principles there's more room for character exploration um but it's also a a more static Mm -hmm. like not static isn't like characters don't grow but just as like it's it's in a room right they're not outside. They're not going doing things. Yeah. They're not growing that way. 
Much like the episode we did on Room. Well. It's in a room. Thank that's you. true. I'll be here all week. <laughs> and then did we like uh, reading the book? Um, I would say yes. It, you mentioned it's like 224 pages. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think like you can't really get mad at a book that length. Yeah. Because, you know, we've read, we've read books that are like five, 600 pages. Yeah. Um, I would say that as soft sci-fi, something that's primarily about the idea of Junior leaving only for his wife to be replaced by this AI replacement. Um, the plot, I would say, like the action is pretty light mm-hmm. in terms of if you were to say what happens here, I would say there's not a, like a lot that happens. It's just a lot of conversation around the idea of what might happen yeah. when the action that we think is going to happen happens. Yeah, There's a lot of preamble. There's a lot of like scene setting. There's a lot of scenes of Terrence coming to the house. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes of Terrence going from the house. There are scenes of Hen and Junior talking before Terrence comes and talking after he comes. Right. Um, and I know we tease the twist, but when I was reading this book, I was like, what is going to happen? It was like I was two thirds or done or like three quarters done. And I was like, yeah, what it what is going to happen in this book? <laughs> right. I like I, nothing has happened and I'm just waiting for something. waiting and waiting yeah. for something to happen. Yeah. I don't know if you had a similar reaction yeah i I definitely had a similar thought for sure i i quite enjoyed reading it actually i don't know why but i felt it was it kind of like i was able to breeze through it at a fast pace um it was highly digestible short chapters very short chapters um i read it like on the plane on my way to and from um vancouver and it was just like, I just like was able to knock it out. And like, whenever that happens for me, it's a great, for me, it's a great book, like four stars immediately. Like, um, cause that just doesn't happen very often for me. But for me, it was, it was, uh, I guess you could argue that it was a little bit slow and like, like you mentioned, like it was static. Like there's not a lot going on. There's a lot of conversations. There are a lot of like, um, Terrence just seems to pop up here and there and then they need to do interviews and he needs to poke and prod him and all these weird things are happening, but there's all these like kind of questions in the background about, and these little small nuggets here and there about, um, you know, is Hen telling me everything that she knows? Is she hiding things from me? How does she really feel? She's saying this, but she seems like she's acting like this. There's a lot of interior stuff from Junior in that respect. So that kind of kept me going the mystery of like, okay, what is she hiding? Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, what's the deal with junior? Why, that, why does it seem like Hen and Terrence are kind of like have this connection that, you know, junior just has no idea about and like something is going on in the background that he just is not privy to. Um, so that mystery kept me, kept me going throughout the whole thing. Um, but yeah, couldn't, you know, couldn't get mad at 224 pages and, um, I liked it. I liked reading it actually. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that like internal character dynamic stuff or ex- whatever, even external, where Junior is seeing Terrence and Hen grow closer. There's moments where they like are physically touching. There's mm-hmm. moments where he asks her like deep probing questions. Yeah. Hen, Henrietta's, you know, what she goes by, um, sort of grows both more distant and then also like at times closer to um, Junior by the end. Yeah. There's a sort of like modulation there. Mm-hmm. and 
once the twist happens, it like a lot of it locks into place, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think reading this book again, knowing the outcome of the twist or knowing the twist, probably would give you an even richer experience because I'm sure there's all these like little micro moments yeah. of Henrietta's reactions to things. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what's cool about the adaptation is that you can you see like an actor who knows what's happening. Yeah. Right. And how they, um, do, I don't want to give away the twist just yet, <laughs> right, but right, right. how they, uh, how they like act with that information yeah. and how the audience doesn't know it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, did, by, by the way, question on that, like we'll talk about this in the movie, um, section, I'm sure. But like, did that change the experience for you watching it with that? Like in knowing? Mind? Yeah. 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 And even when I was looking for the read in like today, um, I, I read the first like couple pages again and I was like, Oh, there are moments where like someone is bored while this like important info. What well, we thought when we read it, like important information is being relayed and they're just kind of right. like whatever. And I'm yep. like, makes sense because it makes sense. Yeah. Um, what I would say is it, it the, uh, for me, the twist really worked. Um, but a lot of the story felt like it was just preamble to get to the twist. Um, and when the twist happens, the story like kind of clicks into place, but it was a long way to get there mm -hmm. without really knowing where we were going. It's one of those things where it's like the Uber driver took a different route <laughs> and I don't know exactly what's happening, right. but I'm still going to end up like at my home, right, right. which is comfortable for me and nice. Yeah. But for a while there, we I were just kind of like going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, shouldn't we be going South and you're going like East or something? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, I don't know i i do aspire to be a patient reader and it maybe it's just like because we're reading this for the podcast mm. where it's you, you tend to be a bit more critical or something yeah. um i don't know that that would be the one thing i would have is just that it, it felt like it took a while to get there yeah like you didn't need all this it's like let's get on the hov you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. forget some of this traffic yeah get to the hov let's get there faster yeah i think we could still get to the points you can still get the idea. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like some of that character stuff was good mm -hmm. and I enjoyed. Yeah. A good filler. Maybe filler is the wrong word is like, um, but yeah, I mean, you kind of needed the moments around, you know, it's funny. Like uh, they talk about his memories and stuff and like, Oh, talk about when you first met Hen. Mm -hmm. Um, and which isn't really like necessary to the story, I would say, but is is good like background for their relationship. Um, so you know, I would argue that that like I don't know, maybe that's a bad example for, of what you're talking about, but there were a lot of moments, a few moments like that where they give more background and context to the characters. But there were a lot of moments of like, does Terrence really need to be poking him here again? Does he need to be inserting this thing? into his armpit like mm -hmm. you know like is that really relevant to the story he's i guess it is adding and stuff yeah it's it's yeah. adding another thing that he's going through and it provides like me with or the reader as like why does he keep doing this like this is becoming like incessant <laughs> yeah i think part of it is like a it's it has to be a magic trick if you have a twist mm -hmm. you have to go you have to withhold and you, you know, it's a as twist. It has possible. to be withheld. So you have to hold it for as long as possible. Yeah. And I think part of that is like creating diversions or creating, um, just like length Yeah. before mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. 
Um, thankfully, it wasn't like 400 pages. No, th- I think that would have been unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I guess we should talk about the twist in the in the movie section too. But I think there is part of the twist I enjoyed. Part of the twist kind of left me a little bit, um, like emotionally not damaged, but like emotionally displaced. Oh, okay. I felt like I was on, I was lost for a second. Mm. So I mean, we'll get into that when we get do, to the, do you want to talk about the book twist now or do you want to talk? Well, they're, fa- they're fairly similar, right? There's, there's some differences that we can talk about, but you know, it's just, no, let's save it. Okay. We'll save it. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to mention about the book? Have you read any of his other stuff? Mm-mm, okay. No. Neither have I. Yeah. So cool. I enjoyed it. I like, he's like a, he's a good writer. Yeah. Um, if only he were American. That's right. Goddamn, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um. Would definitely recommend. And it's a short, easy read. So there's no reason not to. Um. Cool. That wraps up the literature section for us today. Um. We're gonna take a quick break, listen to the trailer, and then we'll be right back. Han. Expecting anyone? I need to have an intimate understanding of your marriage, the good and the bad. I promise it's confidential. It's between you and me. Do you feel happy here? Of course I'm happy here. Aren't you? Do you feel you know how she would react in every situation? I've always had this fantasy that there's something else out there for me. Do you want to live mundane lives Or do you want to be part of something special and unique? You've been selected to live up there. (laughs) Okay, well, you're wasting your time because we we haven't even been on an airplane. She dated. I should should clarify. I'm talking about you here, Junior. Only you. We're going to ensure Hen has company while you're away. We're going to replace you. I don't want a robot living with my wife. Do you really want to leave her here all alone, day after day? He doesn't really see me anymore. Maybe I shouldn't be telling you this. you to use this opportunity to act on your instincts. Whatever we decide, we'll be together. And welcome back. Thank you for listening to the trailer for Foe. All right. Before we get into the adaptation, we're going to do one of our favorite segments here called Eric Learns You Something. Eric, take it away. Yes, indeed. Uh, Today we are talking about unreliable narrators, a term coined by the writer Wayne C. Booth in 1961. That's a good name. That's a great name. Wayne C. Booth. Booth. Uh, It's almost like 
don't know. That's like a on the that's like on a building. It's like the it Wayne C. Booth School <laughs> for uh, AI. Yeah. Anyway, uh, typically found in stories told in the first person, a unreliable narrator is a narrator whose credibility is compromised at its most basic level. Sometimes this occurs when a narrator makes an obviously false claim. In other cases, the narrator conceals or misrepresents vital pieces of information until a revelation later in the narrative, as with Foe. Um, when this information is revealed in a twist, it forces readers to reconsider their point of view and experience the story in a new light. Um, I, I think unreliable narrators can be a useful device for writers who want to affect how readers make sense of the text, what they're reading, rather than presenting all of the information clearly, withholding or obscuring can make the story's meaning less clear or change its meaning entirely like later on um and foe for example junior is an archetypal naif there's i was reading there's like several different archetypes of unreliable narrators mm-hmm. and the naif seems to be one of the most prevalent that's someone whose perception or worldview is either immature or limited through their point of view so mm-hmm. junior in foe doesn't know the full scope of what's occurring around him based on sort of who he is. Um, so what's clear to Terrence and Hen throughout the story actually comes as a twist to the reader because we haven't been privy to what they know. Interesting. We're only privy to what Junior knows. Um, huh. And when the reveal, the twist occurs, the story like sort of breaks open um, and yeah. is seen in a new way. Naif is spelled N-A-I-F. I'd never heard that before. I think there's a umlaut above the I. Oh, okay. So um, Naif might not be the right word. Like that word. It. Yeah. Umlaut. Umlaut. <laughs> is that English? I think it's a German. It's like the, the double. Oh. The b- double. Above, like the, the O's and the U's. Those Germans, man. So Eric learns you two things today. They love well, their umlauts. Umlaut. Um, you know who loves the umlaut actually is the New Yorker. Oh, do they? Um, instead of using like, a lot of the like cooperation or those words that have like the two vowels, like re-election or cooperation or whatever, they put a umlaut um, in like the third in front of the third letter, the second vowel. Oh, because that was the way they did it in like the n- 1910s. Oh, interesting. And then New Yorker doesn't change their style when the words were first coined is like how the words are always going to be spelled yeah they don't new yorker doesn't evolve with language that's what i'm saying why would they they don't need to (laughs) new yorker they're printing money yeah um awesome that is really cool actually i didn't think of this in the uh while reading or watching in their perspective of like an unreliable narrator but that makes complete sense right he doesn't have access to all information so i guess they're probably the Naif is probably a pretty prominent one then because there are a lot of characters mm-hmm. just in stories in general who like are trying to find things out and don't have even like a detective. Yeah. Could you argue that as an unreliable narrator? Probably. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Because um, you think the world is one way because that's the only way they understand it. Right. And then once and not because they're withholding it necessarily. They just like they don't know. They just yeah. Yeah. They're not privy. Um, do you have any like are there any classic examples of unreliable narrators in literature um i can tell you what the the wikipedia entry yeah, said if you tell like me. well th- for the naif they 
they said the primary examples are Huck Finn um, mm-hmm. and Holden Caulfield, who's from uh, Catcher in the Rye. Okay. So I guess it's just like, those are children, right? So there's right. Like a, a child protagonist. Um, Forrest Gump they have in here. I guess because he's like from, I suppose like his mental state. Right. And then, mm. um, Charlie Gordon and flowers for Algernon, which is not a book I've, I've read. I've heard that it's a, quite a good book, but it's a short story. Sorry. Just reading the it Wikipedia is a short story. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking at these. Sorry. I just, I'm using the Wikipedia as well. There's the book, the Picaro, mm-hmm. the madman, the clown, the knife and the liar. This is really cool. Yeah. So I feel like the liar is what you probably would expect the unreliable narrator to be. Someone yeah. who's like obviously or like intentionally obscuring information. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting that it's it could be like there are various different ways the narrator can not be telling you the truth. Yeah. Or not, not be showing you the full story. Yeah. Oh, Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, the madman. Oh yes, yes, yes. Look at that. Formula to lens, right? I don't know if those That's are right. on that, that episode's on Spotify. I don't. Yeah, I don't, lost believe, I don't believe so. Oh, it's a lost episode. Yeah. A, we had some good lost ones. Yeah. Should maybe bring those back. Probably not. We'll have to redo them. <laughs> it's too, I think that episode's probably too spicy. Yeah. <laughs> the people aren't ready for it. Yeah. Um. Cool. This is actually really cool. Um. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. You're welcome. Eric is the teacher. Um. We are his students. So. Shout out to umlauts. I know we're a little early for shout outs, but <laughs> umlaut. Um, okay, let's get into the movie. Eric, how would you describe this adaptation? Literal, loose, or reimagined? I think I'd probably lean literal here, right? Mm-hmm. You feel you on same wavelength? Very much so. I'm usually the one that's like, it's blown up, like yeah, reimagined yeah. <laughs> totally. But I think this one is is very, very, very similar. I think it yeah. probably goes to show when the writer of the book is also the co-screenwriter. That can happen. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Um, they're closer to the material. They like it. Mm-hmm. They wrote it. Yeah. Um, I think this is a classic example of like, he probably had some things that were hinted that need to be more literalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of just happened in the wash. Yeah. But I would say pretty, pretty literal. I don't know if you. Yeah. I mean, I would hundred percent agree with that. Uh, I wouldn't even touch loose. Like I wouldn't even go close to it. Good. So, <laughs> Stay, stay away. <laughs> this might be one of the most literal adapt- adaptations we've we've seen. Yeah. Besides, like the Harry Potters, maybe like this is probably cut and dry, like as close as you can get. So this, so the differences we have are not going to be very different or very major, excuse me. Um, right. But we're going to get into them here uh, right now. So differences number one, the state of the planet. So we have here the book, um, near future, hot weather. Um, they have climate issues um are only hinted at uh and then outermore is still starting resettlement um and the film uh, they live in a climate wasteland uh two people live on the edge of a burned out hellhole which is eric's writing not mine i like that word yeah it's pretty good so i think it's a minor difference but i think it's effective right for the film to kind of take that extra step yes i i so in the read-in there are a couple mentions of like it was hot Mm-hmm. And he felt hot. There's another mention of t- when Terrence arrives initially, he's like, can I have a glass of water? I'm not yeah. used to having like no AC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of like, yeah, it's hot. Weather's an issue. Yeah. 
Um, and in the movie, right, it's just way more literalized. I, and I, too, also think that there is a very clear message there saying, which is like, as the planet is decaying, so too is the love shared between two people. Wow. And so wow. by putting them in this physical space, it's sort of running parallel to the emotional connection. As yeah. things are getting worse outside, they're getting worse inside as well. Um, so I, I think as, as far as your like metaphors and That's pretty good. themes go, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, I do think also what's interesting about it is it seems like in the book, the going to the installation is, is more for like is more, is more aligned with the idea of human expansion. Humans continue to like create and move and like conquer new places. Mm-hmm. And in this, this book, which I guess we'll talk about in a second too, it's, it's tied to like escaping, like getting off this <clears throat> dying star. You don't mind the film or the book? I'm saying that's the difference in the book. It's maybe a little bit more like humans have to just go. Humans have to keep conquering right, right, right. to do the next thing. And in the book, it. it's like, actually the time has come. Yeah. We oh, need to get off. Yeah. Before. I would say so. Yeah. And the, I'm not sure if they said this in the book, but it's 2065 in the film, mm-hmm. um, which is in 40 years. And I don't think, I don't think we'll get there in 40 years. That's but. what you think. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have to um but yeah so that's one difference state of a planet um minor but still relevant to the story um and pushes it just a little bit further in the necessary um parts of trying to uh leave the planet and then so the motivation for going to the installation um so in both the book and the movie he selected um I think it's like a lottery is what it's they a say. lottery system mm-hmm. um and I think in the book, he's actually on the long list originally, and then he's brought onto the short list, and then things kind of kick off. But in the mo- in the film, he's just basically put on the short list, and he's ready, to, he's re- almost ready to go. Um, <clears throat> so they do skip that step. And he's kind of being pushed to do it, as this, in both the book and the film is like, this is, you know, an opportunity, opportunity to be a part of history. It's an opportunity to, you know, go to outer space. It's, you know, you can't really pass this up. Um but there is a minor difference here that's expressed in the film where um, if if uh, Junior was to refuse to go, um, there's this thing called, and I believe it's called this, if I'm not mistaken, it's called configuration. Um, this is not something that we get any explanation of, but it's clear with the way that it's expressed in the film and reacted to by the actors that it's not something that either any of them really want to do. So whatever that means, um, configuration in whatever sense, I don't know if you had any like thoughts about or theories about what it meant, but I, I couldn't really think of anything. Yeah. I do wonder if it's, it's more of like a statement on who they are as people, which is like very low class and low wealth. And it's basically like, instead of just forcing you, we're basically going to say like, you've been chosen and your alternative is like something bad, something bad. It kind of reminded me of, I don't know if they may have alluded to it in the film or not, but of um, the draft, right? Yeah. If you're of, of age and of, of health, like you're going to war. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to jail basically. Right. Um, 
that was kind of the vibe that I got. From or you it. become president in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Shut circle, up. circle back. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was not expressed in the book. So the, the book is a lot more open and it's more Terrence, not really convincing him sort of like you would, you know, kind of like you're, you're going, this is an amazing opportunity. It is what like, it is. How could you yeah. ever even think about not going kind of thing? Yeah. Um, but in the, which is, I would say that is, it could be a flaw in the story, right? Like that could be a hole that somebody could poke and be like, no, junior, you can just say no kind of thing. But here it's, a, they kind of raise it to that level in the film where it's like, no, like you're, you're going through configuration, whatever that means. Yeah. I, I wonder if it is a way to further obfuscate, ob, obfuscate, ob, whatever the word is, mm-hmm. um, what is happening because I guess we, yeah, have we talked about the twist? I guess we really haven't talked about no, the twist. Yeah. Um, in the book, he can sort of just be matter of fact because it, it actually kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Um, and in the movie, he could do that, but by presenting it as more of a choice, the audience is like, well, that's reasonable. Yeah. Right? You can't just like force him to go to outer space. Right. He's a person. Yeah, exactly. Well, is he? Um, we'll get to that. So, so by doing that, you're like, okay, people have choices. Yeah. He's presenting a choice. It might be a, like a fake choice. Right. Or a bad choice. You know, the, the alternative is not great. Yeah. But it's at least like there are options. Right, right, right. In italics. Yeah, right, right. You know what I, I mean? I do think that for me personally, I like the way that the film handled it in this regard. Like it just kind of shuts that, that hole down. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Um, cool. And then um, Junior and Hen's Jobs. Uh, We're really scraping the the barrel here for differences. (laughs) This is number three. Um, So Junior, it's not really expressed exactly what he does, but in the book, he has more of a manual labor type job where he's, um, it's just a more physical job. Um, And then in the film, he's, uh, he works at a chicken processing plant, which um, there are a couple of interesting scenes where they take, the film takes us there. And it's kind of this, I wouldn't say it's like grotesque, but it's sort of like, you know, the real world view of like what a chicken processing plant is like. It's not, you know, beautiful by any means, but, um, I I wonder if you have any thoughts about that difference and what that means. Does that have any significance for you? So yes, I think this is, and this is part of like why we did the ad for the society for sentience, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, um, I think there is, a through line here a question the film is trying to ask of literally like how deep do you believe in like sentience or humanity among all living Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. and so it's maybe hard to do this without giving away the twist but i think the idea is like if you watch what happens in these chicken processing plants it's grotesque but also do you do you care do you right. are you gonna still eat chicken yeah but also like aren't chickens are real they're animals they can feel pain yeah and so what kind of like how do you how do you consolidate those two things yeah right also i think there's very obviously the fact that hen is the name of his wife he works at a chicken processing plant his wife is named hen yeah um there's just this through this continued motif of like um animals mm-hmm. right and like non-human animal um like reaction i think mm-hmm. i admit it's not the right way to say it but there are 
you, the, the, the question is basically asked like what what's where do you draw the line right what is fucked up to who right and like when are you when is it not okay when is it okay yeah is it just humans is it chickens is mm-hmm. it like your wife is it spoiler alert yeah, someone, is, is twist, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I think it, it it goes to it plays to what the film is trying to talk about which right. is like when have you crossed the line what what is your definition of what is sentient and how bad is it that you are acting the way you are yeah does that make sense yeah i think so i think it, it's um it kind of puts, we have to come back to that when we do the twist but yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah we'll have to come back to it but yeah I, I see where your point is like you're you're sort of asking that question around around you know where do you draw the line um for these things and it as it relates to the twist that we'll talk about as well so and then there was another difference um where in the book um uh junior hurts himself uh who he actually hurts himself in both the, the book and the film but in the in the book terrence actually covers for him uh for his job um and that's another thing where actually this is this is what i wanted to mention i forgot about um this is a difference that i when i was reading the book i kind of thought i wasn't really sure what was happening but i thought that um terrence was just going to essentially replace um and maybe this is because i realized what the story was and the film didn't do like as good of a job but of it but I thought Terrence was actually just going to replace um, Junior. Yeah, like Terrence like he, was going to move in. He was just going to move in. He was going to be like the new husband, and yeah. like it was going to be over because Junior thinks that too at a certain point. Yeah, they yeah. both. Yeah, they, I think they. I think he thinks that actually in both the book and the film. But I think the book does a much better job of like showing that um, because he's doing all these things for him. He's he's cooking breakfast. He's doing whatever. He's kind of replacing his uh, not really husband duties, but like duties for the home as well as at work so you're thinking like okay maybe he's doing this but in the film it's less of that mm-hmm. um so it's another thing just to point out and then hen, hen is a waitress in both so that's just another thing um did you have that same thought when you're reading that he might replace junior terrence might replace him uh, yeah yeah and i i thought that was like another good way the book was trying to sidestep what was actually happening mm-hmm um, what do they call it a red herring yeah it's just like the the main narrator casting suspicions yeah on you know the mystery man who's arrived right, right. like i think it's classic like who's this new guy what's he doing here right. and then you sort of form, form your opinion and then that opinion kind of rots away at you until yeah. you in the case of junior like sort of break yeah yeah Okay, good. So yeah, I did. I was feeling. Okay, that. good. I just I didn't want to be the only one. I I just I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, cool. And then Junior's character, um, he's pretty. F- I would say he's pretty f- like flat and, and uh, not very emotional in the book. He's he's um, just kind of goes along with whatever's happening and doesn't really react one way or another, uh, in any sort of significant way. But in the in the movie, he's pretty emotional. Like. Um, like he has like they have that one argument in the beginning him and hen where he kind of like interrupts her and raises his voice mm-hmm. and then as the movie goes on he becomes more and more outbursts become more and more prevalent i would say um what are your thoughts on that i think this is another thing that's hard to discuss without giving away the twist but to me there was 
a, a, a reasoning for making the personality more clear because it needed to contrast. There needed to be a, a clear contrast with something that came later. Right. Mm. So I think there is a, a sort of like immaturity, a sort of like youthfulness, a sort of like naivete that the movie version of junior that we spend time mm. with has because there is a line that we then like see a different way, mm. a different personality. Yeah. And so having a, I think on the spectrum of the way personalities work, finding a way to give it some specificity allows you to draw a sharper contrast at a different point. I see what you're saying. Whereas if it's like sort of modulated and very interior, right, which is the way it is in the book because of the POV that we get, right. um, it's harder to find a difference. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I, I actually didn't see it that way, but I think that makes a lot of sense where you can compare compare the t- the two essentially more easily uh, or, you know, tell them apart more easily. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. in the book, it's you do you do actually kind of get like a little boiling over at yeah. certain points, um, but it, you see that. No, no one else is seeing that. Right. That's the thing. And then with the movie, you need to see it. So yeah. it's, I think, made more obvious and more frequent and, yeah um just because that's like how the movie has to operate yeah it's not a it's not a voiceover forever movie right right, right. so yeah. um that's how i feel there yeah agreed and then so the barn burning and the horse so in both the book and the movie there's a scene um where junior basically uh is captivated by or he notices uh, a barn that is engulfed in flames um and he's essentially drawn to it and he sort of runs towards it and right before he gets to it um he's essentially stopped by unknown people Mm -hmm. people who we assume are working with terrence um but isn't really confirmed um so there's a lot of like ambiguity of as to like why he's running to this there's no real reason um, nothing that's directly explained. Um, but there is some differences between the book and the, and the film. So the book, he is out, he's out, uh, I think he's either going to work or coming from work. Um, and he notices this and he, you know, you know, beelines to it basically. Uh, in the film, um, it's actually a quite a beautiful scene with, um, Junior and Hen. They kind of reconnect, um, and have, you know, have sex, uh, in this field. Um, and then this horse, uh, as they're getting ready to leave, this horse appears, this black horse and comes and hen, hen calms it down. Um, and they have this moment with it. And I think, uh, junior tries to go up to it. And I think it maybe runs off. I can't remember exactly. Um, but then the, he, the, he sees the house and runs to, to, towards it. So the main difference is the horse, I think, and obviously the scene leading up to it. But like, I wanted to talk about the significance of the black horse and you know what that symbolizes in the story. Yeah, I, I think probably one of the easy uh, readings of it is that like there can be beauty even in hell holes like this, right? Mm. There's there's an opportunity to to grow and develop and have like pretty things despite the surroundings and a horse is 
I think a, a very specific animal. It's a very pretty animal. Mm. It's, it's also an animal that um, can take you places. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the hen is a character kind of aspires to for more. She aspires yeah. to leave at certain times. Um, it's a finding a horse is sort of an example of like, Oh, here's a, here's a vehicle. Right. Almost. Yeah. It's not like she, she takes it, but it's, there's like a, Oh, here's a thing that can lead me away. Right. But it, here's also a thing that has survived out here, much like we have survived mm-hmm. out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, for me, that's kind of what the horse is. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have a different, different thoughts. I was kind of grappling with it because I at first I thought because there was another um, animal or insect. Um, yeah. In in the right. in both stories that we'll talk about later that has uh, symbology tied to it. But the horse, I I wasn't really sure because I horses do kind of like I had to look this up. But basically, sim- horses traditionally symbolize freedom, power, confidence, and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, freedom. Yeah, freedom is, 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 I think, the the one to point out here because um, it's obviously what Hen is grappling with um, and we find out more as the story goes on. Um, and it approaches Hen, or Hen approaches it and they have this connection. And I don't I don't remember in the film, I don't think Paul, um, excuse me, Paul, uh, Jr. has that same connection with the horse. Um, and I think that's an important thing to, to note here because clearly the horse see something in her and see something in the horse, right? And they have this connection. And then all, all connection breaks when um, Junior runs off and does his thing. But I thought it was a, it was a beautiful moment in the movie. And, um, and I wonder like where that kind of came from, if that's more of a director thing, or if maybe that was Ian Reed thinking like, man, I was thinking about doing this horse thing. I don't know if it, it couldn't really fit. And they were like, well, let's just do it in the movie kind of thing. So I wonder where it came from. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't. He's not on the pod. We can't ask him. But maybe in the future. Yeah. No. But uh. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I I I vibe with that. I think this movie does a does more service to Hen as a character mm-hmm. than the book probably does. Maybe because of the perspective, um, but also because she does get moments like this yeah. that allow her to reckon with like the outside world in yeah. a way that she doesn't quite get in the book. So it could be as simple as like. I want to more literalize hens like aspirations to yeah. go to be free, to be a wild horse. And are you NNOFT? But it, it's also interesting because you brought up the black beetle, which comes around. There are like, the way characters interact with animals is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they care for them. And it's, it's kind of interesting that uh junior there isn't as like close to the horse. Yeah as hen is because you kind of would expect him to be mm-hmm. given the way he treats like other animals that yeah. he comes across. So it's almost like, I don't know if it's at odds necessarily, but it is an interesting choice to have like the one character be drawn to it and the other character like, run basically in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. So whether that says like, you know, this guy is not free mm-hmm. or unwilling to be free or can't possibly be free is probably a read that's definitely a read and also another read would be like you know what is this guy Mm -hmm. this there's a difference here between what hen is and what junior is Mm -hmm. and the horse has never interacted with what junior is ever before right that's true maybe he's the horse is like a little nervous yeah the horse knows perhaps animals do tend to know these things yeah um but since we brought up the beetle do we want to unpack this yeah 
Um, it's not a difference, but they both appear, and I think it's worth mentioning. Um, there's a beetle that appears in the closet uh, or you know in the house. Um, it's like in the attic, maybe. Or in a yeah. crawl space or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, there is a difference at the ending. Uh, we should talk about this. Oh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll hold it for a second. But um, the beetle shows up and... Um, you know, hens like get it out of the house. I don't want this here. Mm-hmm. And um, Junior is sort of captivated by it, and he's sort of interested in it. And do you know what they symbolize, or have you seen this like in other literature? No, the horned no. beetle. Okay, I I had to look this up as well. Um, so beetles can sim- symbolize strength, good luck, creation, teamwork, rebirth, and adaptability. Hmm. Um, so. I think the the important one to point out here is rebirth, yeah, uh, or maybe adaptability. But um, it's funny that she wants it out, right? It's sort of a, one of those things. It's sort of a dichotomy. It's like you would think that she would be more receptive to it because it symbolizes this thing, but she's obviously grossed out by it. Um, but just thought it was interesting to point out. Yeah, yeah. It it it's gr- grosses her out. It's beneath her. Yeah, she doesn't really care about it, which yeah. is probably another mm. thing to to emphasize mm-hmm. um whereas junior is a bit, a bit more sympathetic to its like livelihood yeah yeah and life yeah and it was funny at the end maybe not funny um where he where the say it <laughs> should we just spoil where the the real well, should uh, we, why don't we just do you want to see the ending now and we'll, we'll do the ending it? now and give away the twist okay so if you haven't seen it if you don't know if you want to keep the twist shut it shut it off shut, shut it, it down yeah but you set it up <laughs> um please so basically um in the book the Adamore representatives come to the house um when it's revealed that junior who we've come to know has been uh the replacement the whole time so there's this basically there's this whole setup where um you know uh while junior is away they're going to make this biological duplicate mm-hmm. of junior um you know, to help Hen basically in this process um, while he's away uh, working for Adamore in space. Um, so basically that's why Terrence is there. He's basically poking and prodding and doing all these tests with him, psychological, biological tests to kind of get as much information as possible so that he can create like this biological duplicate um, of him so that it, there's like a very smooth transition and all that. Basically what we come to find out is uh, the junior that we've been interacting with this whole time is actually the replacement. Um, so the real junior has already been away in Adamer for two years, um, is actually on his way back, um, very soon. So that's why all this, that's why Terrence is kind of here. So everything Terrence has been telling junior has been a lie. And that's why Hen has been acting sort of a little bit distant and has not revealed as much information, um, is because, right. She knows, and Terrence knows that this is just their replacement, um, and that, you know, the real junior is on his, is on his way back. Mm-hmm. So, um, sorry. So the difference with the book here, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, so they easily deprogram him. So sorry. So junior was revealed that junior, uh, we've come to know has been the replacement the whole time. They deprogram him. Uh, the real junior returns. There's some more marital drama, uh, as it seems Hen is connected to the replacement. Then Hen leaves, and a replacement is left, um, the real junior doesn't seem to recognize or care. So that's the book. And then the movie is very similar, except the real junior witnesses a more violent killing of the replacement. 
Um, Hen leaves to explore the world. Not clear what she's doing in the book. So yeah, or it's less clear in the book. What she's less doing clear. Yeah. So yeah. So the yeah. book. Um, this was it was a bit it was pretty ambiguous in the book actually. So she so they so the real junior returns. Um, and Hen and the real junior try to reconnect, but there's just clear there's clear there's this just difference. Um, and she leaves him a letter, a blank letter, which she said she would do if she would ever leave. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back later that night. Um, but she's acting way different. She's acting much more normal and happy. Um, and then, you know, Junior's like, okay, cool. This is great. Like he's not really putting the pieces together. Um, but in the book and then it kind of ends, right? Mm -hmm. That's just how it ends. Um, but in the, I'm sorry, in the film, they actually show they, that that plays out as it does, but they add an extra scene where they show Hen on an airplane. Yeah. So they show they tell they tell the audience Hen is the real Hen is left essentially. Yeah. And this is the Hen's replacement has showed up and kind of taken her place for the rest of, you know, her you know her life for however long. Yeah. However long. So clearly there was some agreement with, uh, Terrence that she wanted to leave, but I thought. You know, I actually, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on the ending, but I kind of preferred the book ending as opposed to the movie because the movie kind of tells you what's happening as, as opposed to the book is kind of leaving it open for interpretation. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Sorry. I just talked for like. No, that's good. I, 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 one of the key differences too is that like in the in the book the deprogramming is very like blase and then in, yeah. the, in the movie it's they like show you it's much more gruesome. Which like, that part I, I I think helped the film because it makes you sympathize more, right? It was pretty, it's tough to watch. Yeah, and I think that goes to what the film was trying to do writ large, right? Which is like sentience. You feel mm. bad for AI, yeah, yeah. I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's how different is it from, and I heard the director talk about this or I read the director talk about this. How, you, Why don't you feel the same way for like the chickens? You know what I mean? Because mm. so these like, Mm-hmm. contrast the through line is trying to make you i guess it's sort of a test to be like how how can i make you feel about a not alive thing yeah and if i'm making you feel the way i'm making you feel about that right. shouldn't you call into question how you feel about like actually mm-hmm. like a live thing i wonder if this i wonder if the director is like veg or something maybe or he just still eats chicken he's like you know yeah, loves it, it. Tastes can't good. Give it up. love mcdonald's <laughs> i guess that's not chicken that's just pink slime um sure yeah, so I think that that's kind of an important difference too. But I agree with you. I, it is so when they when Junior returns, it's meant to be basically that like he's that Hen has been spending time with him with his personality, and it shouldn't be that big of a shock when he comes back. Yeah, but it still is because these two people have been living apart for one or two years. Yeah, and it's not so easily to reassimilate into like marital life, which I think is probably like real and true yeah um and then when hen leaves it's 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 definitely more than winked at yeah that she's left and there's now a replacement there and he can't tell the difference and it's sort of like a a kind of i don't know about fun but a a sort of um pleasing realization that like these two people are like so off yeah each other's wavelength that this guy doesn't even realize he's his like wife is not here anymore right right um there i think there are some other questions as to like well was junior even 
on the installation like mm. and then he, he got a replacement but then hen can just leave but she gets a replacement yeah who who gets replacements kind of thing yeah um but i definitely agree with you that i the the sort of i think i i enjoy the reading better where it's like junior is an idiot and like maybe hen is gone or not versus like hen clearly being gone but too i it's it's nice for hen to get that ending because yeah. she actually gets what she wants Whereas in the book, you don't really know what she's doing. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear in the book that she left um, and this is now a new replacement, but we just have no idea where she went to or what she's what she's doing, like you said. I prefer that because I actually was, I was very much bought into the narrative of Terrence being in love with her mm-hmm. um, because of they had more conversations in the book. And there was a moment where I think he touches her leg. And then I think maybe that was maybe an outburst in the book um, for Junior's character. But I was very much like, this guy is moving in. Like he is like, he is doing everything that Junior's doing. He's just going to replace him. I think there was, there was definitely allusions to them being like close. So I was very much bought into the fact that, oh, like now she's with Terrence. But there is that that um, there is also that option where she just wanted to go to the city and experience life away from the farm, right? Yeah. Be a more complete person, essentially, um, than than she was uh, living with him. But um, that's why I like that, it's, as opposed to showing it her on a plane. It's like you get the answer, but it doesn't allow you to sort of like speculate. Um, and there are ways to sort of do that. Like I immediately thought of like. When he so to bring up the beetle again, there's a beetle in the sink yes. at the very end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and she mentions, "Oh, I've never seen one of those before," and of course she has, right? We've we've seen the scenes where, but he doesn't know that because he doesn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He there. wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like, oh, okay, this is not the real hen. This is a this is the duplicate hen. Um, but like. And then he crushes the beetle with yeah. his beer bottle, um, kills it, crushes all hopes of rebirth, right? Of, of adaptability, whatever. Um, but I thought that was perfect. Like the way that that was there, right? We get the, we get the nod, we get the crush, mm-hmm. boom, end it. But then they give us the extra scene where it's like, she's on the airplane. It's like, let us, you know, that's, that's, that's that argument. It's like, how much do you really need to show yeah. the audience? Right. And maybe I'm different because I've read the book. I know what's coming. I know what's happened. Maybe I have that information already, but it's like you kind of told us and then you told us again, right? It's sort of like the, the inception, right? What's the end of inception where he spins the, the dreidel mm-hmm. and it just keeps spinning, it keeps spinning. And then they cut. Yeah. It's like, it's it up starts to, to interpre- wobble a bit maybe too. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's, yeah. It's up for interpretation. What you think. Yeah. Right? It allows you to make a, it allows you to make a distinction as yeah. opposed to just telling you, I thought this movie could have been that, you know, obviously not to the level of an inception, but like could have had a similar experience. Yeah, totally agree. And that beetle scene is mimicked in the book. And I I think as we go back to like talking about animals, it is what we hinted at earlier is basically like if you're a real person, you have less sympathy for creatures that are beneath you. right? Right. So as a, as a replacement junior doesn't kill the beetle early on, but as a real person later, Mm -hmm. he has no problem smushing it. Hen is different 
she's like ew get that beetle out of here and then she's like stuck and staring at it it kind of like breaks her to see yeah. another living creature um yeah i i think that's a it's a very poetic and a very like good strong visual ending of just like literally like yeah. crushing something so small and something seemingly beneath this person yeah um and it plays perfectly with like our expectations that have been set and it, you're like oh yeah for sure right it's, like, it's the, there's a difference <laughs> for sure um i was gonna say something else too but now i've, I've about the beetle or the i've, I've since forgotten oh i'm sure it'll come back to you um, it wasn't about junior or oh yeah yeah so it was about junior so um we talked about the differences in his personality mm-hmm. i just wanted to bring up the idea that like they uh replacement junior and real hen do have sex like we mentioned in that field and she's having sex with a replacement that she knows is a replacement if you're like interrogating that that's true um that's true and i think i what i what i thought was interesting was like when when junior comes back he's like angry and like kind of like over it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the real junior's personality is much it's not maybe not much different but different than the replacement junior's yeah. personality and so there's definitely a reading of like the current junior is older this other junior is is the like younger more accepting fun yeah version of him and that's the version that hen slept with yeah and that's the version that she likes yeah and so when like the real old gray-haired i mean not, he's not really but like the haggard the like angry version of him returns it's like okay i loved you at one point right but like the you that's here now is not the you that you were yeah and it's kind of a i, I don't know it's kind of a like a sad realization for a couple that the person that you were is not the person that you are and but that's the person that you still think of or the person that you're more attracted to or more in love with um yeah but that person's gone right and so I think that's one of the realizations that Hen has where it's like, this is the person that I used to love. Right. And then the person he is now is not that person. Yeah. And so it's an opportunity for her to, to get out and try something different. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's an accurate reader. And I think I would definitely agree with it. It's, it's, um, yeah, they show that pretty well, especially in the movie where in actually in both mediums, like, where he has sort of he's sort of he's tired and he's done and he's he just wants to get back to his normal life and you know drink beers and work on whatever and you know be with his wife and but he doesn't have the same energy or the same care as this you know uh this ai version of him does because to the ai version it's all relatively new Mm -hmm. right so he's still got that spark yeah um but but yeah Keep that spark. Agreed. Keep that spark. Gentlemen. And ladies too. And ladies. Um, Whoever it is. Was the adaptation successful? I think yes. Okay. Tell uh, me why. I feel like we rarely say no here. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, it. it's it's the book. It's the book. It keeps the heart of the book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, There are additions as we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I mean... It's got the same heart. Yeah. It's got it's got a lot of the same feels. I think they brought forward more of the like what the AI ness of it. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's less 
AI in the book. And here there's more of it. So I keep saying AI, but like the, you know, art of whatever replacement. Yeah. And what it means that you could love somebody that's not human, real, whatever. Right. Or a different version of, of who you thought you loved or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is kind of, is nice. It gives a little bit more resonance. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's the, the themes, the, the like macro themes are stronger in the book in the, in the movie versus the book. But the, I think like the beating heart remains. I would agree. Um, I was actually kind of struggling with this. Like, is it successful? And I, it's funny because this is kind of just one of those stories where, because you know, the twist watching it for, you know, after you've read it and, and know what's coming, it kind of changes. I think it changed my perspective on it. And I was actually hoping for more differentness like difference Mm -hmm. uh i think that kind of ruined my theater experience Mm -hmm. um because i was hoping that it would be different enough that it would like allow me to enjoy it in a different way um but i i I, so (laughs) i'm kind of like i feel like i'm being hypocritical of myself here and because i'm always like as long as the adaptation you know brings brings the same spirit like you mentioned to life and the screen has basically the same story, then it's probably a success. But for me, I was wanting more. Um, so for me, I'm going to go against my normal. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it was not a success. Wow. Um, because probably just because I read it and I knew what was coming and I wanted more. I wanted like to go to outer more. Let's spend, let's spend like 20 minutes there or let's, Let's go into the backstory a little between Hen and uh, um, Junior. Junior a little bit more for twenty minutes. Let's you know, even even Terrence like let's have him be even more annoying than in the book. You know, just like crank it up. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. Um, I I felt like it it could have played into that a bit more and and done that, but so for me, I was I left the theater feeling a little bit disappointed and i don't know if that's my fault probably (laughs) but that's that's my take on it yeah so because it was so similar it was almost like let's let's make a movie guys yeah like let's like let's and and there were visual aspects that i did enjoy like the like the car was cool terrence's car was very cool yeah i will say that um and then seeing like the you could see this uh, station, I guess, is what you call mm-hmm. the Outer Moore Space Station from installation. Installation, yes, thank you. From his farm or whatever, from yeah. Earth, which was cool. And then you could also, we also got a, a view of the ship yeah. taking all the observers away as he's like shooting at him with his, you know, whatever you call a double barrel shotgun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or I guess it was a single barrel, but still. Um, very, those were very cool scenes. I did like that stuff, but I, I just wanted like to dive into it a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, it just reminded me. At a certain point, while I was reading the book, I was like, "Is the installation even fucking real?" Yeah, like, oh you yeah, don't yeah. You, because you don't see it. That's true. That's a good point. You don't go there. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, what is this? What thing? are we doing here? Is, yeah. is any of this real? Is it? Is it just like a a slasher movie where this guy just like forces his way into the house? Right. You know what I mean? Just to right. like do weird things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I, I think that's. I think that's well said. And then, did we like the movie? 
I think it has its charms. You know, the acting is good. Yeah. I think um, you can sort of feel the COVIDness of it, where it's like three actors getting together to do out in the middle of nowhere. A movie out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's it's easy. It's cheap. Yeah. You know, you get Paul Mescal for five yeah. weeks. You get Shersha for five weeks. Pretty good. Um, I think still some of the same issues of the book where there's there's a bit of empty space. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of of you know an air pocket between some of the setup and the conclusion yeah um but i i don't know so one of the i was trying to figure out how to say this earlier what i think i one of the things i had take not take issue with but like one of the one of the things i reacted to was was the reveal um in the book specifically because when it happens it's shocking Mm. but it's also like it's it takes away the character you spent all this time with it interrupts the connection that we had with junior and it's replaced with nothing in fact we then start getting the pov from the real junior yeah who's like a different guy yeah um and i don't i don't know it was sort of a like a a really hard reset on the book i thought we were reading and it didn't give the new junior like any i didn't feel any empathy for the new junior right so i spent the whole book and maybe this is part of like what makes the book good actually but for me what was the challenge is that you spent all this time with junior you sort of like felt for him and then it's that's sucked into a black hole Mm -hmm. and we just get like the dick version of him back yeah he doesn't even know that his wife is gone right and i thought that was that was difficult to like non the non emotion like there's the a lacking of emotionality there mm-hmm. um whereas like the first two thirds of the book did have like jealousy rage some of that stuff yeah um so i don't know did you so i i read it the same way where it was like it was he was kind of ripped away and now we have this like lesser version of even though he's the real version. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up the quotations. Oh, sure. Um, cause I don't, I don't know if we talked about that earlier or not, but like in the, in the book, um, junior is speaking. Seems, it seems to be speaking the story, but he's not his, his, uh, sentences in the, the structure of the novel are not in quotations like yeah. the rest of the characters are. Yeah. And then that actually switches once the real junior comes back, his are in quotations. Hens are not. Hens are not. Yeah. So that is sort of like, that's sort of the, uh, this is, I actually did not notice this the first time I was reading it, uh, at least at the end. Um, but this is one of the things that signifies the difference in the characters. Mm-hmm. Did you, like, what did you think of that when you read it? Had you seen that before? Uh, I noticed it for sure. Um, and then it sort of made sense when you, when you figured out, you're like, okay, so this is, is not real so his words are like not legitimate mm. i guess that's what the book's saying right they're lesser maybe yeah um and i thought that was an interesting way to to signal it and i made it it helps it helps create like hens it helps rationalize hens what hen, what was happening to hen in the the like back half of it yeah um i i don't i don't know the no quotes thing not for me i don't i don't like have a i don't i don't care for it i don't like hate it I just like 
I don't know. I don't have like a big reaction to it. Yeah, I guess it's part of it is like those words get do get lost. You sort mm-hmm. of you can mistake words for internal monologue. Right. And yeah. some of that kind of like smooths out. Um, and that's probably the rationale, right? Is yeah. so that what is being said and what's being felt blend together. Yeah. It's a it's a tool, right? Um it's 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 sort of a way to sort of explain what's happening without being so obvious about it. So like for example, uh if he were to like like uh have quotes around it and say, you know, quote whatever the quote is, end quote, comma or comma end quote, excuse me, and then, you know, uh duplicate Henrietta says said. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then it would be obviously way obvious and not yeah. worth um not worth writing but like it's sort of an interesting way to get around that problem and to sort of make that connection mm-hmm. um but i wonder if he even needed it yeah Be- because when it is when it does happen you automatically realize that something weird is going on right because like why is one character not in quotes and the other two yeah. are so you you're already like looking for mm. you're looking for something right so maybe it's a way to emphasize that like hey this is this is going to be different yeah but in a way that takes a long time to pay off too that's true so once again you're sort of left for a little bit longer than you wanted to be before you get the answer to it but it does i think it does pay off because you get that like parallelism with yeah him and then her yeah having the no quotes it yeah i think it, it's a tool like it works essentially like we've been saying but like it was confusing and a little bit off-putting at first um and then you kind of forget about it and then you're sort of reintroducing like oh okay um but i wonder if you had like scenes is that something that like maybe not quotations in general but like there are tricks out there that authors use right to sort of like play with characters yeah there are there are definitely a handful of authors famously who don't use quotes at all for any of their Mm -hmm. characters like Mm -hmm. cormac mccarthy or um who's the the woman who wrote Normal People, Paul Mescal. Oh, Sally Rooney. Sally Rooney doesn't use quotes. So there's definitely examples of, of this, but it's like writ large. Yeah. I think it's probably just a way to blend out what's being said and what's being felt. Interesting. It's like it's all, it's all on the table, maybe. I it's, don't know. Is it more for like interpretation? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get these. Put quotes around your dialogue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's my hot take today. Yeah, I like that. Cool. Um, and then did we did we like the movie? I can't remember if we if I asked that or not. I think you did, and then we got to this part of it. Okay. Um, I, I oh yeah, you said you liked it. Yeah. I I like I liked it enough. Yeah, I liked it enough. I think I gave it three stars on Letterbox, but I gave Goodreads four. Oh my so, god! There you so. go. Hot takes. Um, Eric, you go first. I use quotation marks. Lazy <laughs> people. No. I, I, my other hot take would be that I feel like this could have been a short story. I, th- I think there's a world where this is like a 30-page short story that has that deals with the same themes, that has the same like questioning feel, same sort yeah. of like curiosity feel, but we get to the return much faster. Mm. And it's kind of like, whoa. Um, and maybe there's more like aftermath yeah. so that the narrative becomes sort of evenly weighted mm-hmm. or, you know, it starts 
with like fake replacement juniors perspective and then goes into replacement Henrietta's perspective or whatever. Yeah. There's something that is a bit more evenly weighted and where the, the big moment occurs with more like falling action. Yeah. I just felt like there was a lot. It was just, it was just very, it was a big bubble mm. and uh could have been a smaller bubble. That's true. I don't That's know. Fair. That's a hot take. Um, my take is the, the movie was boring. Um, <laughs> For the reasons I just explained, and I think that's probably my fault, not Garth Davis's fault. So you're an apologist. Well, I want I want to get him on the pod, dude. Oh, I liked Lion. I did like Lion actually. That was a good movie. It was a good movie. Um, yeah, I just you know for the reasons I already explained, I think coming into it with what I'd already known, it just didn't it didn't have the same impact. But move your book gotta make a decision i see you have on your on the outline here you just have a question mark you can't make a decision yeah i was hoping you can answer this for me <laughs> i wrote book and i think you should do book too i probably would say book yeah um i think to see above is that is that fair enough to say what listen listen rewind 50 minutes and oh see come back. <laughs> yeah i i is it like more of a toss-up for you no i just don't you just don't I'm care probably. enough to make a decision. No, I mean, I think the book is probably, it's probably for me, it's probably like a three and a half star read. And the movie is probably a little bit beneath that. 3.25. 3. 3. 3. 3. 3. 3. 3. 3.45. What's pi? 3.145. <laughs> 9. 2.68. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. Book. Official. Official. Okay. A clean sweep. Mark it down. A clean sweep. <laughs> Final thoughts. Regulate AI, baby. Yeah. Do it now. They're doing it. You know what's great? I, I saw a quote. Um, I was a little bit. It was funny. I, I got like I did an edible like a few weeks ago, and like you know, I'd say that on this podcast. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and I got like way too high, and I, I was like, I can't go to sleep, so I have to like, um, uh, like watch TV. And I was watching this interview with Sam Altman, and he was like, um, you know, he was the he created ChatGPT, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, by the way, like. Just so everybody knows, like, if this goes wrong, like, that's it for us. Like, lights out. And I was like, that's not what I need to be hearing yeah. <laughs> when I'm already fucking paranoid. Yeah. High as fuck. Like, yeah. So, I I agree. And I, I so I wanted to say, like, I appreciate that he is, like, taking it seriously. Like, he's actually going to Congress and, like, he's open for regulation and all that stuff. You know like, what's, you know what it's it like, is. It's like, it's scary. It's like a little bit scary. It's like running a train and then setting it at like 50 miles per hour and then just hopping off and being like, Hey, someone should stop this, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Uh-oh. That's, a, that's a good. Analogy. Who started? Who, who did yeah. that? Someone, one of you guys. <laughs> you guys say, yeah. Mm, this out. But yeah. Um, and then I think I could live with a biological duplicate of myself. I think I would be, would it do? Would it do like chores for you? No, because he would want. We would do it together. We would be. We would be teammates. So you just want a twin? Yeah, I think. What would you do? Just like try to do. Just like, hang out, like just vibe. We would just vibes. Just, <laughs> we would All be. Vibes. We'd be vibey for sure. Yeah. We would open our own hipster coffee shop. Oh. Yeah. Cool. One of you would be front, Thank you. front, front bar. One of you would be back bar. Yeah, I would. You would cook, and he would. I would be the drinks. barista. Okay, I think, and he would be like the one behind the cashier. 
and like clean. That'd be he good. would be the cleaner for yeah. sure. Like we we know who that what the hierarchy is here. Until he I'd be number up. one. Until you know. <laughs> until he becomes smarter. Yeah. Fuck. And you get slayed by your own <laughs> AI. That would not be good. I you know, I could see a world where that's where that's nice. But then do I want to like look at and hear myself yeah, all day every day? Probably not. Because then you're like, oh, that's a flaw, and you're like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh no. Looking in the mirror. Yeah, I think it's too much. It's probably too much navel gazing to have. You're probably right. Actually, of you. That I'd probably go crazy. Actually. Fuck. It's a horror movie version of this, I guess. It's just you wake up and oh, there's god. a you have a twin, like Kafka version of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. You should write that. Somebody should make it. Not busy. <laughs> anyway, okay. Take us home. <laughs> take us home. Um, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, um, really appreciate it. We are signing off. Check out our most recent episode on the long goodbye for the LA Gould fans out there and check out uh, or keep an eye out for our next episode on drum roll, please. Uh, Killers of the flower moon directed by Martin Scorsese adapted by, or the original adapted by Martin Scorsese. The original book was written by David Grant. Um, that is coming out this week. So Thursday is the release day. Um, so, so we are planning to do that episode, uh, next weekend. So next Sunday, um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that one. Uh, any shout outs? Who's, who's the guy that I found in chat GPT? Oh, Sam Altman. Sam Altman. Yeah. Sam Bankman Freed. <laughs> shout out uh, him too. Shout out all the Sams. <laughs> You're not going to shout out Umlaut? Shout out to all the words that use Umlaut. Shout out to the New Yorker. David Grand's home. That's true. That's true. So keep doing what you're doing. Hold power to the camera. Really appreciate it. Uh, use some more pictures. Yeah. Thank you so much. 